Hi, this is Jim Brangenberg, the host of the I Work For Him radio show. Thanks for listening to the I Work For Him podcast, where we discuss our workplace as our mission field. The live version of our show can be heard each weekday afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern on AM 570 and 910 WTBN, locally in the Tampa Bay area, and worldwide on the web at letstalkfaith.com or iHeartRadio. Our website, iWorkForHim.com, has great resources on how you can learn about how your workplace can be your mission field. And also check out the sponsors that bring you the radio show each and every day. And while you're there on I Work For Him, click on the I Work For Him Nation flag and prayerfully consider joining the I Work For Him Nation. Join thousands around the globe praying for their coworkers and employees by name each and every day. That's IWorkForHim.com, IWork, the number four, Him.com. Remember, your workplace is your mission field, and in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Thanks again for listening. I hope this broadcast will make an impact on your life so that you'll never look at your workplace the same again. Let's get to today's show. You've tuned into the fastest one hour in Christian talk radio. Hey, when will married life get more predictable? Today on Together on Tuesdays with Jim and Martha, we're going to talk about changes. We're going to talk about transitions. There's always so many changes in married life. Yeah, and just when I think I'm getting into a rhythm, things start to change all over again. You know, like right now Martha and I are empty nesters. And we've got a grandchild on the way, but that's not going to be local, but we're getting older. I mean, I can't do the things that you used to be able to do. I mean, 50, your body just starts to fall apart. No, it's not that bad. I mean, it's not that bad, but things change all the time and it impacts everything. Like my routine. I like predictable things. It keeps me regular in so many ways. How do I manage through life's transitions, especially as a married guy? Is there hope for a more predictable existence? Not if you're a Christ follower. Today, we've got in studio Two people who have made a significant impact on our lives, probably way more than they'll ever know. But Dick and Karen LeBrant have joined us once before on on the studio before on the line before. How about in the studio on a live? I can't even get it out. We did a they, live show with them for two back, hours. Welcome back is what welcome. he's trying to say. <laughs> uh, what I'm saying is welcome back, Dick and Karen LeBrant. We're so grateful to have you guys here today. Uh, thank, thank you very much. All right, as we uh, you know, Martha picked out this verse for our our show today, Ecclesiastes nine. Enjoy life with your wife, whom you love, all the days of this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun. (laughs) Solomon was having a bad day writing this one. All your meaningless days, for this is your lot in life and in your toilsome labor under the sun. That was just really a depressing verse. The beginning part, do A. Enjoy life with your wife, whom you love, all the days of this dot, dot, dot life. (laughs) Dick and Karen, one of the things that we love... You want to expound on that at all? I... People know that I love you. I talk about it on the air all the time. You're oh, incredible. I didn't and mean I enjoy that. It. I just meant that he's saying in the in the midst of having a meaningless life. I don't have a meaningless life. No, but remember Solomon's point of view. He was looking at the riches and the accomplishments and all that the Lord had blessed him with. Seven hundred and fifty wives and, and still, a few hundred in two, concubines. In so many ways, he saw it all as meaningless when you compare it to our relationship and importance with our Heavenly Father. So in the midst of what he sees as meaningless, he's still saying, enjoy life with your wife. But which wife was go. he talking about? Um, let's See, just you didn't want to go there. See, <laughs> I, but with you, I enjoy every day. Did you hear my little Minnesota thing? I said, there you go. There you go. Hey, you betcha. <laughs> now we're back to Dick LeBrant. Dick, when you read that, that, that verse and you says, enjoy life with your wife, you and Karen celebrated 50 years this last year. Yes, you well, were Well, that there. was the beginning of this year. We were there. Yes. 
How have you enjoyed every day? Well, I'll have to say, after hearing that verse, uh, I think he had some problems. He did have a problem. <laughs> yeah, I, he had 750 I, wives. I, I have one wife, so it's a lot easier to manage. And uh, yeah, I think most of our, well, our whole life, we've had ups and downs, but never anything that was uh, what I consider critical. We, you know, we've had illnesses, we've had setbacks, but we just kept going forward and it's been a it's been a really neat fifty years. Doesn't seem like it, does it, Karen? No, it doesn't. And I think um, one of the biggest reasons we can say that with truthfulness is that uh, Dick has always been a funny man. He was voted most funny in, in Northeast High School. <laughs> um, he has always made me laugh, and I'm his biggest fan. Amen. And, and it's it's been that true all through our marriage. That works well. All right, as we talk today with Dick and Karen LeBrant, two two people that have made a very huge impact in our lives. In fact, every time I start getting frustrated about a very certain thing in my life, I remember the words that Dick spoke in my life, and, and I'm humbled. And, and it's good. I won't say those things on air, what it was that I have to get humbled about, but I'm just grateful that Dick was willing to speak those into me. Dick and Karen, before we get into our topic, hey, how do we deal with these transitions? I really want to know from you guys, how has the Lord surprised you this year? Karen, you first. Wow. This year, we've had a big surprise. However, we were prepared for it. Uh, they have been watching Dick's aneurysm for a long time, for six years, every three months, every six months a, a, as it would grow. And we knew it would. Um, December of last year, uh, just before Christmas, we were told that it was time. And in fact, it had almost gone past time because uh, CAT scans a lot more efficient than oh, sure. anything. Mm. So uh, it, was, it was a big surprise. Um, again, we were prepared. The doctors knew all about it. But uh, that changed our year. But it worked out pretty good because you're sitting here on the radio with us. Yes, we are. But it, it ha- we, we've got a different look at life. You know, mm-hmm. I, I started uh, reading the Bible more. I'm, I'm always been, you know, I'm always into my studies and so forth. But the uh, fact is I have a verse here that I've, I've adopted somewhat. It, it's okay. I, I can read that right now. Of course now. you yes, can. It's please. from Psalm 37, uh, 25. And it says, I was young uh, once, and, and now <laughs> it I'm It says o- that? Yes. Okay. And now I'm old, yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. And it's just a comeuppance when you realize, you know, you've hit old age. And it's, I don't feel old, don't get me wrong, but operations, as Karen said, they put you down. This one put me down heavily. Mm-hmm. So that was the change in the year. And it's been a good time to relook and reconsider and, and uh, just you know, check out who you are and what you're doing. Well, one of the things I've seen as we have gotten older, and we've gotten older together the last 13 years at church, is just understanding that as we get older, we see the things that are less important in life. It's more easy to push those off to focus on the things that are more important in life. Uh, that I spend less time wasting time on things that are pointless. Absolutely. And I, I think when you, when you're preparing all through your life and you get through 
that next thing, it relaxes you a little bit. And quite often that next thing is not as dramatic. Uh, I think the most dramatic throughout our marriage was when the children left, the boys left, the men mm-hmm. left. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very traumatic for me. Uh, I, I literally broke down and um, I needed help. Uh, I didn't know I was in depression, but was diagnosed that I was. And I had a husband that loved me so much that never asked me, why you? You're always so happy and everything has always been so right. Why you? Um, He didn't ask me that. He just wanted me to be well. And uh, we prepared for me to be well. Mm. Mm. Well, let's start at the beginning of that story because... Married life, you know, which has been, you know, we're, we're 20 years behind you guys, but married life always seems like it's changing, but it's always been fun. I mean, we have a great time. I mean, married life is fun. I mean, and there's lots of changes and, you know, we look different than we do. Okay. I look different than when we got married. <laughs> Martha still looks like she's 16. Um, but it's, there's nothing predictable I about it. I wasn't 16 when we got married. When we met, though. <laughs> okay. I just was clarifying. It's okay. Karen was 15 when we met, so we're on yeah. the same page. Yeah. <sighs> That was funny. No, Thank I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I was 19, however, when we got married. Martha was 20. All right, so just going back. How do we learn to cope with these transitions? How do we? How do we do it? We start with no kids. We get married, and then we then we start with with God's design in mind. We get married with no kids. That's God's plan. So you get to used to each other before. Then you have kids. Then you get no kids again. Then you get kids with kids. Sickness. And heading towards the end of life, what is all that like? We are joined in studio today by two very special people in our lives, Dick and Karen LeBrant, as they have not only invested in our marriage, but the marriages of hundreds of couples throughout their lifetime. Dick and Karen, as we talk about, Karen, I know that you, you, Karen and I will, when we are in a room together, we compete for the oxygen in the room. (laughs) So, and Karen is a long time radio. How many years ago were you on radio? Oh my goodness gracious. 80s early 90s so were you playing like you know bon jovi no it was called the home and all around i was a homemaker i loved it and i talked about it from nine till noon every saturday she was the opposing voice the one and only opposing voice in the tampa bay area that was um fighting against women's lib and get out of the house go to work and be your own person. Karen fought and said, you can stay home and be just as much woman. And, mm. and today, I believe that transition has happened where people understand in a much better way today how valuable, how important it is for mom to be home if you can get it done. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is also way harder today than ever before for a mom to stay home because of housing and cars and things like that. But choices can be made. We, we have lots of friends who have chosen to stay home and raise their kids and because it is the highest calling ever for a, a woman to be a, a mom. You know, Jim, at, when I we married, I was 18, and we just ran off and got married with his mom and dad, and we've told you that story before. But um, I was I was in La La. I was, I was in love with a, a man that had just swept her off, off her my feet. feet. <laughs> Um, he loved me. I could tell he loved me. I loved him. And I never realized how dumb I really was back then until we started premarital m- mentoring. Mm. And now we call them 
our our favorite couples to mentor because they are in la la land. Mm-hmm. They're willing. You you have prepared. What in the world did I prepare? He prepared the marriage, the site, and everything. Um, it was on a shoestring. So preparing at that point, Dick will tell a story that um, some of the books that we've read, you have to know a lot more at plumbing. Well, I've got the book right here, Gary Smalley, If Only He Knew. Uh, it's an old book written in back in the 80s, one of the first Christian books I really uh, grabbed and and used regularly with mm-hmm. other couples, but uh, they quoted a famous psychiatrist that said, you know, I've been married to 45 years to my wife, and this I know for sure, I have no idea what she wants. <laughs> and that was, that was one of Gary Smalley's, and then he went on to say, isn't it interesting that, uh, you know, you, it takes two to three years to become a uh, plumber's assistant and to get married you know, you can go down to the courthouse with a few bucks, assign a paper, leave there, and get married at the first place you stop. Mm-hmm. So, you know, very little preparation. And we were that. We were about that clueless. We we eloped, Walla, South Carolina, where you could still marry a relative. But <laughs> thanks for putting that in. I don't know if you still can today. But yeah. isn't that so true, though, Dick? In that, the whether we're talking in the church or out of the church because were you guys christ followers when you got married we were not we thought we were i mean we were we were raised wait a minute in, in christian th- homes you thought you were he was a seeker he really was uh, they came knocking at my door up in athens tennessee and it, it looked like pat boone had just shown up with the <laughs> white buck shoes yes yeah, he and, was a handsome and dude. he asked asked he could come in and, and whether I wanted to go to church in a local church. I said, oh, no, I'm Jewish. Well, I was not Jewish, <laughs> but I knew that would be the thing that would turn him away. So I grew up going to Sunday school and, and thinking that I was a Christian, but had no desire to go to church. One of the things that we have seen as we've gone through premarital mentoring with a lot of couples and then done a lot of mentoring with couples after, long after they got married, is that that time after you get married where, you know, you have the newlywed phase that whole first year, but it, it's really, you're newlyweds and you are really learning about each other because all the things mm-hmm. you thought you knew about each other, you kind of pretended through when you were dating and the real life came out the day after the wedding. And the real life hit us because we went off and he was a tax assessor. So we lived in seven different places and... Four oh, dis- all over the different south, states. Yeah, you know, the southeast, and uh, it would, turned out to be a blessing later when you when you grow up and you start studying marriage. We were away from all family, mm-hmm. and in those days there was no cell phones. Mm-hmm. This is the, this is the uh, uh, actually late sixties, early seventies. You had no interference. We had no phones in any of our apartments, so nobody could contact us during the day. No cell phones. There were no TVs in any of our houses, so we were together in mm-hmm. a way that most people probably will never experience You're right. total uninterrupted the two of us together figuring out every problem going through what we had to and once a week we would go to a payphone and call our parents to let them know we were still alive <laughs> and that everything was fine so it's a whole different ball game sure back in 1970 than it is 
today. So it's like you and Karen were in that little house on the prairie. Like we the absolutely. A lot of little houses on the prairie. <laughs> Seven to be exact in yeah. two years. And he always made it home for lunch. So how did you find, I mean, that transition from not being married to being married, That how did you find the thriving and the preparing for child, for for having children. Martha, what about you? When, when you look at those, we got married, we didn't have children for five years. Mm-hmm. What do you th- how do you think we were preparing for being parents? Well, I think that we were blessed in the sense that we're their youngest kids in the family and the last to get married. So without really realizing it, we were preparing by being aunt and uncle and spending time with the little kids in our lives that really mattered to us. And so I do believe that that was some good preparation. However, we never were told like to talk about what are you going to want and how are you going to discipline and how are you, do you remember having those kinds of conversations? We never said, let's talk about it now. So before it arrives, you know, not it, you know, but before the the situation arrives, not the kid, we have already discussed how we're going to deal with that. Well, he didn't do that. Nobody ever suggested that to us or if they did, it fell on deaf ears. We just figured we'd be naturally agreeing. I think I think you're right. And we, you know, it would just come to us. And so I think that um, one thing we learned later in life, we Paul David Tripp's book, Age of Opportunity, is a favorite of ours. And we tell so many people about it because we learned that taking the little situations in life and turning them into opportunities of teaching is a valuable way to to parent. But we didn't we didn't really sit and prepare. We prepared we prepared for the birth but we didn't really prepare for the parenting side of it. Well, that's exactly what we did because we were way up in Bainbridge, Georgia, where Kenny was born. And he, as a tax assessor, knew he wanted to go home uh, to family. Mm. I mean, it was just a, like a homing pigeon. <laughs> the minute he found out I was pregnant, we were going home. So that was prepared. The two weeks, Kenny... I gave my notice, mm-hmm. and um, we left within four weeks. We were packed and going home because we wanted grandparents we mm-hmm. wanted aunts we wanted uncles we didn't want to be raising them in a in a little town in georgia where we knew no one mm-hmm. because that's all i'd seen like you said martha it's uh we'd seen our relatives you know lots of cousins and my brothers were two of my brothers were married and we had nieces and nephews and we wanted that type of thing ourselves right so home we went to uh start again at home but still clueless um however when i did get home i i was i'd been in the navy i'm a veteran and uh they had this thing called the gi bill which i'd never heard of it's everybody's heard about it now but at that time nobody had heard of it and i thought wow they'll pay you to go to school that's a good deal so i started at uh, st pete college junior college in going to school did they have indoor plumbing at the college back then they did not no you had to go somewhere near the football field (laughs) but they they i got into it and they just they gave you tests and they decided that my natural bent as uh charlie martin used to say my my previous pastor my natural bent was i was good with kids they said they were desperately in need of uh, male teachers oh yeah uh, all over all over the united states but especially in uh, pinellas county in florida so i signed up and I started taking, first thing I took was early childhood education. And that was the beginning of my, of my learning. And, and, and both of our learning. Um, I, he would read books to me and I would 
test him going through college. It changed, literally changed our lives. And we read What to Expect When You're Expecting. Yes. Okay, yep. you read it. I didn't read it. <laughs> you saw it on the nightstand. I saw it on the so nightstand. you thought that counted? It's freaking you out, I'm sure. I, I know you're reading because you got uptight when you were reading that book. You're like, oh my goodness. There's a lot of stuff. <laughs> but what was what's cool about the transition to kids is that you you know, unlike those that have that get to adopt where you don't you know, don't get to go through that nine months of forced preparation, sometimes it's even longer. But when the when your child is born, there's a transition time. I mean, babies aren't immediately demanding conversation and money from your wallet. Well, I'll have to say um, everything that Dick taught, I learned, and he would set me up with the two boys with a program to go after, from, after the baby stage, of course. Yes. So in the baby stage, she had them all by herself. I was pretty much useless. I, I couldn't stand the diapers. There were still cloth diapers then. You Ooh. had to shake them in the toilet. Oh, okay, Dick, this, yeah. yeah. this is radio. So, yeah. uh, so on to his the older listeners will appreciate this. was everything to do with kids. And so we literally raised our kids uh, through his education. And, oh, and as he kept going and going and going and getting his master's, then almost his doctorate, it was all in children and, and learning. But how... How did you, were you prepared for having kids and how could you have been better prepared? Really quick. Don't fight. They both look at each other. No, I was, was I was not prepared at all, but oddly enough, and and I guess it's maybe bragging, but it seemed to me like it came naturally. Well, you just said they tested you and you, they said you were good with kids and that doesn't surprise me at all. And it didn't surprise me. And when I was little, my sister would play with horse figures and all I wanted was babies, babies, mm-hmm. babies, babies. Well, so maybe it was my bent as well. So sure. we, we were both for whatever reason. We just, you know, she handled the baby things when they grew up. I took them. At, uh, we can't ever remember having, well, we had one that had a little bit of, uh, had some uh, uh, health issues. but we had, And we had to work through that. But otherwise, it, was, it seemed to come naturally. I wish I could say some grand thing. We're talking today about transitions. We're talking about how do we traverse through those traditions those transitions with traditions through our marriage how do we deal with them because life changes and when life changes it tends to you know it's not always predictable actually it's rarely predictable and some things are more predictable you know when you have children that at some point in time they're going to leave the home now some of you are still waiting for your kids to leave the home there are ways to get them to leave the home if they're in their 30s and are still living at home move buy a one-bedroom place get them out of the house we're not going to talk about that a lot today but one of the things we did encourage our kids that were living at home we said listen mooch as long as you can from us getting free rent getting food because when you leave the house you're on your own it's time for you when you graduate you're done with school that's not an excuse to delay it either you're done. And if you stay after you're done with school, we're going to charge you rent because we don't want you to live at home forever because we're ready for our free time. No, that's not why. Because it's good for our kids to grow up and get out on their own. Well, that's the whole purpose of parenting is, is to help your kids become 
young adults that can that can make it in this world on their own with a relationship with the Lord and be able to provide for um, their livelihood. Independent, productive people of society. It is not the goal of parenting to have your kids dependent on you the rest of your life. That is dysfunctional behavior. And we became independent when we met the uh, Christ with um, 13 years of our marriage, into our marriage. Uh, at Indian Rocks Baptist, I ran down that aisle. I'll mm. never forget the sermon. I'll never forget the reason. And um, Dick followed within six months and our whole family came to know the Lord. Uh, that that was the preparation uh, that God had for us, for our future with his education and everything that we were uh, even before Christ as far as a solid uh, prepared, thriving family. That's when that's when things really came together. When right. we had uh, when we got when we met Christ, and then we got our kids right into the uh, activities at uh, First Baptist. They were both in elementary school, and they loved it immediately. All the activities and so forth, and the the Lord was the catalyst that just brought it all together. In fact, as I discovered as I was taking classes, that most of what I was taking had been uh, the education courses. They were just taking it from the uh, Bible. It mm. was how to treat... I mean, if you read Proverbs, right, right now I could tell somebody, if you're having a problem with a child, read Proverbs and then start it over again and then start it over again. As you go through, mark down the different areas about rebellion, about uh, love, anything you want. You can raise a child with just the book of Proverbs. Mm. And that's what I found out in the uh, education courses I was taking. And I was stunned by the fact that uh, God had already laid it out in one book, how to raise a, an honorable child that would honor his mother and father when they got older. And he always said the only way you can um, raise an honorable son is to have the mimic of the father honoring his wife. And that's one of the most powerful things we tell couples as we mentor them is to recognize, listen, you are training your daughter, men, you're training your daughter to recognize what a husband should look like. You are setting the standard for your daughter, what a husband should look like. Absolutely. Moms, you're setting a standard for your daughter on what a wife should look like. Gentlemen, you're setting a standard for your son on what a husband, how a husband should treat his wife. And that's part of this whole transition thing. When, when we have children, we're thinking, nobody ever thinks it's going to go fast, but it goes really fast. And when it comes to that, I mean, it should come as no shock. They're going to leave the house, yet it still is shocking. It is shocking. And I remember when Kenny left for Florida State. Um, he was so prepared. Uh, we wouldn't let him go the first two years of college. We wanted him home locally. And he was uh, had always wanted to go to Florida State. He was so prepared. He knew how to take care of his clothes. He knew how to take care of his home. He knew how to get up in the morning. I speak to mothers today that can't even get their teenage boys uh, up. Mm-hmm. They, they, they will not wake themselves up. Mama has to do it. With that preparation... You won't get your kids back. And if you do, you make sure your boundaries are tighter than they ever were when they left. We had we had rules, Jim, and they were they weren't they weren't tough rules, but they were they were marked, they were written down, and they were not debatable. You just you followed the, the line rules. in the sand. The line in the sand and it was and I always taught that that the family, that we were a team. And if you have a weak team member, then you have a the whole team comes apart. So the boys had their jobs, 
Uh, I had my job, Karen had her jobs, and uh, it, it just worked for us. And we, we still tell them today. And I used, my favorite word with my, with my boys was when they started to get rebellious was cavalier. Don't ever. And I would stop them in the middle of it. They'd start talking down to their mother as if they had more um, knowledge than she did. And I'd hmm. say, just lose the cavalier attitude. You didn't have to yell. Just uh, go in the other room, come back, and start over. You know, you're talking to your mother. And you need to respect her, or you're talking to me. So you need we to raised me. boys that um, made their wives very happy because they could iron, they could clean, they could grocery <laughs> shop, they can cook. Um, we made two young women very happy. Okay, so you had prepared the boys to leave, yet you said off the air that when they left, actually said it on there, when they left, it devastated you. It did. It did. Uh, we, so you weren't preparing yourself for that inevitability. I was exactly. not. I thought I was, you know, you, you think you're invincible, especially when everything's going good. And we had a ministry. We were youth sponsors. Our boys wanted us there. We traveled with them. We went all over the United States with them. We did ministry with them. It, it was a perfect situation. And when Kenny left... It was like I was not there to experience his first illness. And I took it to heart, and I would go in his bedroom and, and sit on his bed, and we had conversation. We, Ken would always, both of them, if they had a date, they'd come in our bedroom afterwards and let us sit by our bed and tell us about their date. Everything was family. And um, I lost myself. And didn't know what I was going to do. And was that because you had you lost yourself because you had defined your existence as a mom? No, I think I defined myself from the very beginning as a wife, uh, because uh, we always have said to there, there, each I'll, other. I'll inter- interrupt. There was confusion there for a while that she she was not defining herself as a mother more than a wife, but it. Yeah, I love the word from statistics. It was it skewed that way, just a little bit over that way. So it got into a like a 60-40 situation, and it was tough. So, Karen, the Lord brought you through that time, though. He did. He did. I went to a wonderful psychologist, and we did it all in prayer and, of course, going back. And uh, never, ever, and that's been twenty over twenty five years ago. Martha, we're more recently into this empty nester thing. Yes. One, you know, and and I really feel like our kids were ready to leave when they left. Mm-hmm. Yet it was hard. Mm-hmm. What what was the biggest struggle for you as a mom? It, were you prepared for empty nesting? Um, I think that we that's probably one of the areas that we actually talked more about when it came to our parenting. You know, we were saying we didn't really talk about how we were going to do things until they arrived. Um, But that was one of the things we talked about more often. Somebody had challenged us to make sure that we didn't get to that stage of life and then be um, strangers to each Mm -hmm. other. So many people are wrapped up in their kids to the point where they do. Um, forget about the marriage and building that up. And Jim has always been very good about making sure that I was a priority in his life and letting the kids know that, that I was a priority. And to the, to the fact of telling them at times, listen, you're trying to butt in where your mom Mm -hmm. belongs Mm -hmm. and that's not fair. That's not right. And that's not appropriate. So I think we talked about that more. And so we were more prepared for that than maybe some of the other stages because it 
we knew the day was going to come. Um, we didn't, you know, some things are not as definable as that. So I think that um, we went into it with the right attitude, didn't make it any easier, but at least we had each other. We were not strangers. We had been living life together. We'd been uh, dating still. We'd been growing in our own marriage. So we were not in a quandary when they left or we quandaried together (laughs) those times when we were just lonely but my argument with the lord is the fact that that's great that we're empty nesters but why do our kids have to live so far away Mm. that's just one of those we live far away from our parents yeah Yeah, so we did for a very short period of time we do well we're one block from bobby our youngest son and his five children. He wrote me a note before the show and said, you know, one block is way too close. To <laughs> no, we went to him and asked him before we get ever bought permission. the house to get his permission. And, and that's how close we are. Yeah, Jim's parents um, used to live in our backyard. Not yes. in our backyard. Their backyard in our backyard. We popped a tent up. up for him. No, no, I gave my boys my heart and it gave the boys his brain well, and and, 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 and I'm, I'm just going to say that um there was not much talk about empty nesting 25 years ago mm-hmm. it was a new term and mm-hmm. i don't think there'd be any books written on it. it certainly wasn't on a talk show so it was all new mm-hmm. it's going back to the time when we got married no phones no cell phones no interruptions and uh, you know the more education you get the more you understand it well and i think one of the things that helped us is that we had friends that were 10 years ahead of us. So we, we watched what they were going through to help That's us prepare. A big help. And yeah. I think, you know, having mentors That's is important. Mentoring. And yeah. there is nothing better than mentoring. And we've been able to and do that for a lot of other couples. The, the movie Father of the Bride, too. Oh. That made it all a reality because we <laughs> went back movie. to our parents and we're like, we're so yeah. sorry. Yeah. Yes, for we apologize to our we parents. We never thought about you when we were getting married. Our daughter in law, Tammy, that is one of yeah. her very favorite movies. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think it convicts us a little. Yeah. Oh, all right. So there's that, there's that thing, though, in today's world where the kids leave, they go to school. Some of them go to tech school. Not everybody has to go to college, but they leave and then they want to come back home because it's easier to be at home than to struggle out in the real world. But that's a real danger in today's society. Well, it would have been a very big danger for us because our one son has six children and the other has five. So uh, there was well, I'm not never... talking about once they're kids, but I'm talking about they go out to college and they come back. Oh, yes. Before well, they get married. and, and but, Bungee kids. Yeah, bungee kids. Yes. And, and that's something that parents... We need to prevent. I mean, there are there are times, short periods of time. All right, but- and that's what I when when I'm mentoring a woman and she's saying, "How should I raise my son?" I always say what we've just discussed: raise a man that's going to be a good husband and a good father. Now, mm-hmm. the good news is, when our kids leave, they get married, they do come back with children. Not back into the house, but they come. That's another transition. The transition from empty nesting to now being your oh, grandparents. That's when they don't fit anymore, though, with as many kids well, as no, mine. No, 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 no. <laughs> what I'm talking about is the blessing of becoming a grandparent. Oh, yeah. And the, oh, and it the is. visits it is. and the good times. Absolutely. You're just hitting on a whole new. Oh, we had 52 for Thanksgiving this year. You don't have and, that many grandkids. No, but 45 of them were family. Wow. wow that's and see, awesome. we had the privilege of, be, of really, we hadn't even got empty nesting and we became grandparents because our adopted daughter had children when we were in our 30s. So we've been grandma and grandpa for a very long time. But that was, for some, that really messed with people's head. But I, I always love being an uncle. I love being a grandpa. Oh, I love being a nan. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. I And the older they get, you know, the more, as they step out in life, we have one that's going into the Marines right after the first of the year and uh we one of your grandkids yes uh jack he's he's i just love jack i love them all 
But you know, uh, Jack is going to the Marines. Mm. Well, Dick and I just have to get up there after the first of the year and, and talk to him before he goes because... Well, each and each grandson, we got you know, we've got them. They're playing sports. I mean, uh, they honor you by what they, how they perform, and you know, track stars, running stars, uh, soccer stars. We spend all of our time at fields, <laughs> well, out in nature. That's right. Watch. One of the greatest things is seeing your kids thrive and seeing your kids be independent, loving the Lord. That is one of the greatest rewards. Yet life keeps going and we get older. How do we prepare for that inevitable transition where one of us is not going to be around any longer? You're listening to I Work For Him as we talk with a couple that is our mentor. They've been a mentor to us many different times, Dick and Karen Labrantis. We're talking about these traversing the transitions in life, you know, in, in your marriage from from not being married to being married to being married with children to being married with empty nesting and then being married with kids with kids and eventually one of the greatest privileges in life, you get to spend your whole life with somebody. But as we turned 50 this past year, we realized, okay, well, there's probably not 50 years left together. And how do you prepare for that inevitability? I'm not sure that that's really even possible to prepare. No, I I really think that, um, you know, the older we get and the older the people are in our lives that we love and, and cherish, the more we realize that that is going to come at some point and there's a there's a part of you that is prepared that that's a reality but at the same time there's no way to really prepare because you don't know what it's going to look like of course in in my home um, I always think of my grandparents and they um, there was a very short amount of time between both of them going to heaven Um, but they so how do you prepare for that? I don't know. But just trusting every day for the life that we live, that we're living it to the fullest. Well, Dick and I have it. a motto, and that's um, just you and me, babe. And especially in the last several years, we have found that the more we ask Lord, the Lord for divine appointments, he gives them to us. We linger after church, and sometimes we're there an hour after church is over with by just lingering. And we tend to do ministry together most of the time. Mm-hmm. I thought Dick was just so, lost. No, no. And and mentoring together, I, we just love our lives. We love our friends, our friends. We, we've joined a Sunday school class for the first time in 15 years after doing ministry. We're being with older people, doing older things. It's it's just a new life for us. And one of the, one of the things that... Um you're blessed with. I know uh, Oswald Chambers has a, a, a page in his study where he talks about never, never waste a bad situation. Mm-hmm. And even at our age, we watch. I, I look at people. Karen and I, we talk. The deaths that come along. Uh, one, what, two this past week that are just devastating. One natural, one a suicide. But you watch how a Christian, mm-hmm. uh, elder, elderly person. You watch how they handle these. And that's a learning situation. I'm, I'm learning constantly. You know, having been sick, a heart operation, uh, my aneurysm in my uh, stomach. Too bad are, car accident. Too yes. bad. A bad car accident yeah. last uh, two years ago. But those things, they slow you down. And yet you're encouraged by the people that you walk next Absolutely. to. And I think it's the most important thing I can we say. We have is that, a Sunday school class filled with people that have been at our church for over 30 years. Mm-hmm. I think we added it up in how many hundreds of years. Uh, oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's over 200 years. of. And you know what the problem is with that class? 
What's so there's no young people in that class. Oh, <laughs> but but we're reaching down to a well, younger class. That's and we've good. Done ministry yes. with a that's younger good class because the young people need you, old At, people. Well, that's what we figured out, and, and we know, no. and we know that. Well, you know that you've been doing marriage mentoring for your entire marriage, and you know, and I, you know, Bible studies. I mean, I still do a private Bible study during the week, and it's all young people. Everybody's like forty, and you know, they 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 told me I had to come. I was invited. I said, Why do I have to come? They said, Because we need an old person, <laughs> and it was like. I get it, you know. Well, let's let's we're running out of time, and and it's so important that we just focus on, you know, one of the cool things is we know we're going to spend eternity together, but it's that transition where unless we get to go out in a ball of flames together, there's going to be time where we're not together with our best friends. And Martha, as I, you know, I've I pray every day, Lord, please let me go first. Um, I don't pray every day, but I do pray that often. Or take us out together because I can't imagine life without you. And I'd, I, I'm not saying it lightly. I say I, I really pray about it. But it's what a privilege every day is to be with you. But to imagine life without you, I can't. So, And that's the way it's supposed to be. I think for so many couples we run into and they're just like, oh, you know, and I'm like, that's not how it's supposed to be. Mm-mm. It's supposed to be. We, we sat with the uh, widow and widower banquet last night. And the very first person we may, uh, met, we went around the table, very sweet, but bless her heart, she said, uh, uh, I'm not married now. Thank goodness. Mm. She just, this is a lady probably 75, 80 years old. And, and Karen and I agree with you completely. I, I've had the thought, in fact, as I went to bed last night thinking, I can't imagine being this bad alone. Mm. Just no. can't imagine it. It's beyond my uh, But as he's taken us through so many things after 50 years, he's going to be with us. That's right. Right through the end. Right through the end. Dickie, Karen, I know we could have talked for several hours, and I'm sorry that we only had this little bit of time, but thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. And and listen, if you guys want to get a hold of us, we can have this conversation with you guys personally <laughs> because we love to invest in married couples. That's what we do. We learned it from Dick and Karen. We're learning it. We'll, we're willing to share it with you. Dick and Karen, thanks for being on I Work for Him today. Thank, thank you. you, Jim. Thank you, Martha. Yeah, as we come to the end of the show, just look at these transitions. They're from the Lord embrace them it's inevitable prepare yourself for them because you can't avoid them they are going to come and the lord can use them for his glory and his honor it's 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 right ahead of you you've been listening to i work for him with your host jim and martha brangenberg we're christ followers and i work for him